If you want to understand the words of this morning's gospel, which I find somewhat opaque, I suggest that instead of meditating on the words, you contemplate the context in which they were spoken. The words Linda just read were spoken to Jesus' closest disciples, to the inner circle, as it were, on the night before he died. It had been an incredible year for these disciples. They had seen water turn to wine. They had seen the feeding of the 5,000. They had seen the blind and lepers healed. And they had seen Jesus stop the stoning of a woman caught in adultery. All those had been amazing experiences. But what had been most powerful for them was that they had begun to think that what was impossible with Jesus indeed was possible. Even in the midst of Roman oppression and the rigidity of their own culture, they had begin, begun to experience a peace that passed human understanding. Even in the midst of that oppression and rigidity, they had begun to experience freedom, that they might live their lives in a different way, in a way that honored who they were and, and brought respect to their being. They had begun to wonder if all things were possible. And then they began to suspect. Indeed, they began to know that all of this might end. I would imagine it is almost impossible for us to imagine the fear, apprehension, and anxiety they were experiencing as all of that hopefulness they feared would fade away. In the midst of that, Jesus said, a number of things to comfort them. First he said, I will send to you my spirit and my spirit will enliven you, hold you up, encourage you, guide you, lead you. But that is a story for another day. The thing that he said that evening that I find so amazing is that he said 
if you want to hold under, unto the joy you have experienced and the hope that has begun to unfold in your lives, you need simply to keep one commandment. Not all those many commandments, but just one. Love one another as I have loved you. Love each other and you can hold on to all of it. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus came not so much to begin an institution with all kinds of levels of authority and creeds. Jesus came not so much to institute a different way of worship or to have people build beautiful buildings in which to worship. Jesus came to establish what my mentor Tom Erich calls circles of caring. To establish circles of caring. Communities in which people would learn to love God. And then, as often happens, to be transformed into what they love, which they would then share with each other and their neighbors. You see, what changed the world was not that people ran after and wanted to get a grasp of the words of Jesus. What changed the world were these circles of caring. They saw a group of people who loved their God and were transformed. They saw a group of people that loved each other. And I can assure you, brothers and sisters, the people in those communities were no nicer than the last person in this community who insulted you and hurt your feelings. What drew people is the way that people in those communities or circles of caring love their neighbors, particularly the neighbors that nobody else could love. Now I'm going to contend this morning that what Jesus calls each of us to do is not so much believe in one version of the faith or another, but to act towards each other the way Jesus acted towards us, to love one another as he loved us. I want to illustrate that with a number of stories. I could tell stories about family, but I want to talk mostly about parishes and the world at large. In 1976, the parish I was working 
at in Dearborn, Michigan, called the Reverend Mary Hunt to be our assistant. Mary was the first woman ordained a priest in the Diocese of Michigan. And that spring, the diocese asked us as part of our Lenten study to study nuclear disarmament. And Mary jumped for the opportunity to lead the section on unilateral nuclear disarmament. On that Sunday morning at the adult forum, Mary stood up and waxed eloquently about unilateral nuclear disarmament. And after she'd gone on for about 10 minutes, up stood Charlie Pink, one of our World War II veterans, and deigned to take a different perspective. And there in the midst of that congregation, they debated each other quite vigorously, I assure you, for seven or eight minutes. And then Mary stopped and said, Charlie, you know that I have been baptized into Jesus Christ. And I know that you have been baptized into Jesus Christ. And that means you can't throw me out of this congregation and that I can't throw you out of this congregation. So I guess what we need to learn to do is get along, become friends, learn to love each other. And I need to tell you that happened. Circles of caring. From a human perspective, I can understand some parishioner getting their feelings hurt and deciding to leave. From a human perspective, I can understand a parishioner getting upset about some position a lay leader or one of the clergy has taken and deciding to leave the parish. But from a Christian point of view, I need to tell you, I can't fathom those things. We are called to create circles of caring in which the lion and the lamb stick it out with each other till they find a way to live with and care for each other. Circles of caring. I have spent quite a bit of time with World War II veterans over my years, and I've buried any number of them hearing the stories about their lives. Very few of them are eager to talk about war, but they often talk about that time of service as the most meaningful time of their lives. And asked why that is true for them, they won't talk 
about the glory or the horror of war, but having a common purpose and developing far away from the church circles of caring, whether their buddy was in an airplane cockpit or a foxhole. They found themselves developing friendships, camaraderie with people they were so different from. It can happen in the church and in the world. I want to finish by telling the story of another circle of caring in the midst of another war. In 1990, I had the good fortune of spending part of a sabbatical in Zimbabwe. I got the opportunity to be with my good friends, the Gandias, to visit and see Victoria Falls and to go to Wange Animal Reserve where I saw hundreds of antelopes and wildebeest and elephants and even a white rhino. I also got the opportunity to teach a class on liturgy at the seminary and to take all the seminarians on a retreat. On the first morning of that retreat, I gave all the seminarians a piece of paper on which I'd pasted images of all the road signs you see along the highway. And I said, I would like you to look at those various different signs and symbols and use them to tell your spiritual autobiography. And then we sat down and I heard some amazing stories. The most amazing of all was actually a story that had never been told before that morning. Ten years before, there had been a war in Zimbabwe. And all of a sudden, and very surprisingly, the Rhodesian government sued for peace, called a ceasefire, and said they wanted to negotiate a settlement. The settlement required all the army of the rebellion to gather in a place in southern Rhodesia. The leaders of the Rhodesian government sent a convoy of trucks to meet the rebel army, to collect all the arms, and after that, to move forward in the peaceful settlement. What nobody knew before that morning is that under the floorboards of those trucks heading south to gather the rebel arms were machine guns. And the plan was, after the rebels had handed over all their arms, that the machine guns would be taken out 
and the whole of the rebel army massacred. But an amazing thing happened. The Shona people had become Christians and they lined that road from Harari to the rebel camp. They sang hymns of song and praise to God that a peace was going to unfold. And each time the truck convoy stopped, the Shona people gathered around the Rhodesian troops and gave them food and water and thanked them for ending the war and praised them for wanting peace and wanting to share freedom with the tribal people. That love that came from those circles of caring began to move the hearts of the Rhodesian soldiers. And when they arrived at the rebel camp and the stockade gates were open, the rebel commander stepped forward and said, before we do anything else, our chaplain has a gift for you. And the chaplain came forward and gave the commander of that convoy and each of the soldiers a copy of the Gospel of John, the words of which Linda read to us this morning. And the rebel and the, and the Rhodesian commander's heart had melted and he never gave the command to take out the machine guns. And none of the other Rhodesian soldiers acted violently either. The man who told us that story never heard before that moment was the Rhodesian commander who had by those circles of caring been converted and now was studying to become a minister in the army of the Prince of Peace. These words call us not so much to believe this or that, but to act in a loving way with each other as Jesus did, to create circles of caring in our families, parishes, and world that can, that can be transforming. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.